The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Inside Out with your host, Beth Green. This is James Maynard, your co-host. Today's topic, Rage, Religion, and Righteousness, How We Rationalize Violence. Violence is the energy of separation. I am not you, and I can treat you differently. And we all use it. Many of us have been scared by the violence in France, the radical Islamic insurgency, and terrorism at home. Of course we're scared. If we are Muslim, we fear retribution. If you're not Muslim, we fear violence from those who have taken on the mantle of religion to terrorize others. But rage, religion, and righteousness don't start or end with Islam. People wrap themselves in the mantle of Christianity, or even free speech, in order to rationalize their rage, racism, and violence. Political leaders use these stances for self-promotion. And all of us tend to try to hide our violence behind the stance of self-righteousness of some kind. We don't like someone's views or behaviors, and boom, they're not human. Wherever you are, if you're ready to get honest about all the ways we rage and what we use to justify our violence, uh, stay tuned. Call in and let's get Inside Out together. And now here's Beth from the Inside Out. Hi there. Welcome to Inside Out. Well, first of all, I want to thank those of you who've been on our host page and who are pressing like and sharing us on Facebook. I really appreciate it, and I'm really excited. And also, we've got a whole bunch of people coming to Beth Green TV. I don't know how many of you are doing that, but that's exciting, too. We have some wonderful videos. and So I just want to start out with a thanks. And now I'm going to get into something that's less pleasant. So, you know, when I had the uh, inspiration, you may call it an inspiration, to do this show, we were in the midst of the drama of the um, the killings at the uh, Charlie Hebdo satirical uh, magazine, and uh, in France, and there was oh leaders from all over the world came together to protest and be uh, and you know and I have to say that even though of course I don't condone that violence and I'm horrified that people would do that. There's another side to this story, and it just. I, it just made me want to say, hey, guys, can we talk about this? Can we talk about, can we get real about this? So here we are. So I may offend some of you, which is good. I'm okay with that. <laughs> I offend myself frequently when I, call my, when I call myself on my own nonsense. So first, I will make a disclaimer here just in case you don't know this. I do not approve of taking guns and going into a, uh, a, a magazine, a newspaper, a school, a bathroom, and shooting people. I, I mean, I, it's not my preferred way of dealing with issues. So having made that, I hope, perfectly clear. Did everybody get that? That is perfectly clear that I do not approve of this behavior. I also would like us to take a look at how hypocritical we are. Now, you are going to love this, I think. 
not so long after these Western European leaders came together to stand up for freedom of speech, they started putting out all kinds of laws and rules and where they could shut down people for hate speech. Now, hey, I'm not saying I like hate speech. I don't really like to hear people talking against anybody. So, I'm, you know, I mean, except people who are hypocrites, right? Okay, but this is not the same thing. <laughs> this is not hate. This is recognition. This is self-acknowledgement. Like, okay, I am there. So, immediately, they were completely in favor of free speech when it was politically expedient. And they are not in favor of free speech when it is not politically expedient. And that is, unfortunately, the truth. How many of those political leaders were there looking smug, making all kinds of solemn pronouncements because they know that they're playing to an audience that's going to agree with them. Now, then there's the other part. And by the way, James, before I get to the other part, why don't you give the phone number so people can start queuing up here. Okay. And then I'm going to come back. Yeah, if you'd like to call in with a question or a comment, you can call us at 1-866-472-5795. That's 866-472-5795. Okay, thank you. All right, now, the thing that irks me the most about the way we look at things and the way we talk about them is that we have a tendency to pull out the pieces that justify our stance. And we ignore everything else. Don't you agree, James? Well, that's what we tend to do. We do. And now we do that in our own homes. I'm having an argument with James. Now, when I have an argument with James, I never make his points. I only make mine. (laughs) And I make mine only as well. Exactly. So that's a form of violence. Violence is the energy of separation. And I've got quite a bit to say to you about that. But now what, now what I'm looking at this, because see, this was inspired by the, uh, the, quote, assassinations in France. I want to tell you something that is also evidently true, that we need to factor in when we're trying to understand what is going on. And, and then I want to bring it down to the personal, because I never want to talk about, oh, they're doing this in Europe, and they're doing this in France, and they're doing this in our government. It's like, who am I, and how do I do this? That's what really counts, right? But I do want to point out something to you. Now, here's an article in... Uh, Let me see, RFI, whatever the heck that is, an English edition. And uh, this is reporting on something that I have read about in several places. France slammed by Amnesty International for discrimination against Muslims. Discrimination against Muslims? Could it possibly be that France discriminates against Muslims and that maybe that has something to do with what's going on in France and the Muslim population that gets recruited to go and fight with IS or anybody else? Okay, now, here's, here, this is what it says. And again, I have read this in several places, so, you know, is it true? Well, probably. France is one of the countries highlighted by rights group Amnesty International as discriminating against Muslims for demonstrating their faith, especially in the fields of education and employment. Now, isn't that interesting? Freedom of speech, but not of faith? Hello? I thought they went together. All right. 
the report, Choice and Prejudice Discrimination Against Muslims in Europe was particularly critical of countries that, this is a report, sorry, the report, Choice and Prejudice Discrimination Against Muslims in Europe was particularly critical of countries that have brought in outright bans on face covering veils. I guess they're afraid that women are going to come in with machetes under their veils or in the wearing of religious symbols in schools. Focusing on France, Belgium, the Netherlands, Spain, and Switzerland, Amnesty urged European governments to do more to challenge negative stereotypes and prejudices against Islam. So, you know, God, this is bad. You know, it's bad on all sides. We are not... This is the 21st. The last time I looked at the calendar, I thought it was 2015. What do you, what do you think, James? Oh, you sure it isn't uh, uh, 715? <laughs> <laughs> so here we are. It's 2015. We are into the 20th, 21st century, and we still go around demonizing people, and we are still not asking the question, why, why, why? Now, probably there are people out there who don't know that France was a colonial power and that the Algerians and the Moroccans, they were under French domination, that there, there are a lot of people who became part of France because of colonization, a lot of Muslims. There is an, uh, a historic connection between France and North Africa and so on. And I'm not just talking about France, but there, there are large populations. They have large populations of Muslims. They have very high unemployment rates, a lot of despair, and there's a lot of prejudice. Well, you can say, well, yeah, they wouldn't be prejudiced if it weren't for, oh, come on. Let, let's, let's be honest. I mean, any colonial and then post-colonial culture has inherent racism. You know, because... We think we have a right to plunder your land and to enslave you and treat you badly because we own your, your country, right? <laughs> so, and I'm not saying that Muslims don't do bad things. Do you remember what I said in the beginning? I do not condone this behavior, right? But see, the Muslims aren't saying, I wonder why the, uh, the, you know, the French people are upset with us. And the French are, and of course, when I say French, I mean the, the non-Muslim French because, you know... Muslim from France or French. But, uh, you know, it's like this kind of blindness. So I think it's all pretty ridiculous. I don't know if there's going to be a bomb in my bail box. And I don't know who the bomb would be from. Would the bomb be from the Islamic uh, fundamentalists who think that you should kill somebody for making a picture of um, um, Muhammad? Or the bomb is going to come from some Christian fundamentalists who think that, you know, Islam is the scourge of the planet. I think all of these religions are full of self-serving rationalizations. And I'm willing to say that out loud. I, I hate it. I hate all of it. I hate the fact that we are violent towards each other, that we discriminate against each other, that we rationalize it by saying, you did this and you did this, and I do this in my own home. We do it in our own homes. We do it against ourselves. We do it against each other. We do it in our communities. It's race to race. It's religion to religion. And mostly I'd like people to just get a little common sense here and stop 
cloaking ourselves in flag, in Christianity, in white, in black, in Islam, or whatever it is. Yes, it's true that generally speaking, Islam looks down upon having images of Muhammad. Okay, that is true. That uh, generally speaking, most uh, Muslims would agree that that is not permissible in their religion. But does that really give you a right and a reason to go blow people up? So, I mean, obviously, what is really happening is there's a lot of tension among people. There's a lot of unresolved issues and conflicts. But instead of dealing with them, we get very self-righteous and we blame each other for the reactions. Let's face the fact. The facts are that we have a tendency to want to do whatever we want to do, and we want to blame other people for reacting to what we're doing, and then we want to cloak that in something that looks holier than thou, whether it's Islam or free speech. So we already have a caller, and I'm very delighted to welcome Helen to Inside Out. Hi, Helen from California. Welcome to Inside Out. I totally agree with you, and it makes me sick on both sides, and I know that, uh, you know, a lot of people don't like to think about the fact that France does discriminate against Muslims, and the retaliation is, there there is co-creation involved. Um, I don't know what it's going to take someday for us all to wake up and realize that atrocities are hardly ever perpetrated without any cause at all. Yes. And nor, nor are they ever justified. Exactly. Nor are they ever justified. Absolutely. Um, I, I wonder if, I mean, I look at this as a hopeful sign, and maybe I'm just being needless optimist, needlessly oh. optimistic, but <laughs> that, that the Pope is... It, it, trying to bring a unifying message to the world, yes. not just about religious things, you know, not just about one religion to another, but even within the religions, you know, that trying to be a more humanizing, compassionate voice. I, I, I want to believe that it shows that there is some sort of evolution happening in the world. I couldn't agree with you more, Helen, and I, I just love this guy, you know? <laughs> he keeps coming out and doing uh, new things and other things, and is, this is the kind of guy that you would hope would be elected. I don't know how it happened. How did he get elected? I'll never figure it out. Uh, God must have intervened. That's all I can say. And I, I'm so appreciative of what he's doing because the Catholic Church has a dismal record on respecting other people's religions, whether they're Jews or Muslims or anybody, native peoples, uh, blacks, um, you know, the, the Protestants. Catholic, Protestants. Oh, absolutely. Oh, by the way, I'm not just, I, I, I don't want to just focus on uh, the Catholic Church, but just to give this some balance, you know, uh, the uh, colonization of the Americas, the Pope accepted on face value that it was perfectly okay to enslave black people because they, uh, this is the argument, because they had been offered 
Jesus Christ as their Savior, and they had rejected Jesus Christ as their Savior. So, therefore, they were, you know, whatever it is they did, uh, justified uh, slavery. I mean, talk about rationalization. That is completely astounding. And I am so concerned about this, not only on the political, but on the personal level, how we do this, whether it's through our religions or through our other belief systems that we have all this anger, rage, upset, feelings of helplessness, frustration, whatever, and we take it out on other people because we can and we justify it through this or that or the other thing. And uh, our world is full of this and we all need to stand up for it, against it rather. So I really appreciate your call, Helen. I'm so glad to hear from you and I encourage other callers to call in. So get yourselves together in the break because we're about to go to break. James, you uh, want to repeat uh, that number? Yes. Uh, you can call us at 1-866-472-5795. That's 866-472-5795. We have one more minute. I'd like to add a comment. Yeah. And that is we tend to uh, feel justified in retaliating against somebody else that we feel has done us wrong. This happens in our interpersonal relations. We demonize our enemies. Uh, yes. Movies, most of our movies, so many of our movies are about vengeance, righteous vengeance. Yeah. And you, see, and you see that happening in France now where we're justified in retaliating against the people, so we're going to clamp down on them, etc. Well, who are these people? And, yeah. what, to, and uh, I keep coming back to the phrase, two wrongs don't make a right. If somebody did something wrong, you're justified in doing something wrong to them. I know. There's no... There's no sense to it whatsoever. So we have another caller, but we're going to come back after commercial break. And I have a very interesting article uh, that I'm going to read to you little bits and pieces from also. So stick around because things are heating up at Inside Out. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Bring Beth into your world in person or via the Internet. Learn how by visiting her website, BethGreen.org. At the website, sign up for her newsletter to keep abreast of her latest activities, blogs, videos, and more. Just for signing up, you'll receive a free PDF copy of Living with Reality, her 688-page volume that helps us understand ourselves in relatable terms, as well as offers a proven program to heal and co-create a better world. But there's more. Learn about Beth's four other books, both fiction and nonfiction. Check out her gorgeous music, which is heartfelt and mystical. Become acquainted with Beth and James's programs for healing and training, and discover their community, the Stream Center for the New Spirituality, which welcomes you wherever you are in the world. All this and more can be found at Beth's website, www.bethgreen.org. Again, that's bethgreen.org. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You're tuned in to Inside Out with Beth Green and co-host James Maynard. 
To reach us on the show, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. If you'd rather send us an email, the address is beth at bethgreen.org. Now, back to Inside Out. Welcome back to Inside Out. We're talking about rage, religion, and righteousness. And we have another caller, Irene from San Diego. But before we have bring her on, uh, before the show, Irene had seen our e-card and she sent me uh, an article, which is very interesting. And it was an editorial in the L.A. Times. And uh, now who knows if this is accurate or not, right? But... Hey, this is more more information. They're talking about what happens to people when they don't have religion. And it seems now this guy who wrote the uh, the um, the article, the editorial, Phil Zuckerman, he's a professor of sociology and secular studies at Pitzer College and author of Living the Secular Life: New Answers to Old Questions. Okay, so it's not my next-door neighbor, but, you know, do I know whether Phil is any more reliable than my next-door neighbor? But let's hope so. So um, what he's talking about is that he says there's recent research that uh, shows that children raised without religion tend to remain irreligious, but they also have lower levels of violence. Now, isn't that wild? They tend to be less discriminatory and prejudiced. Now, that's really something. In fact, they say that there's a smaller percentage of atheists in prison. Now, I find this really, really interesting because what they're saying is, and I think this is really the critical point uh, to it, which is, let me see, where is that? Um that we teach people right and wrong based on compassion and empathy. That non-religious family life is replete with its own sustaining moral values and enriching ethical principles. Uh, Chief among those, rational problem solving, personal autonomy, independence of thought, avoidance of corporal punishment, a spirit of question everything, and far above all, Empathy. For secular people, morality is predicated on one simple principle, empathetic reciprocity, widely known as the golden rule, treating other people as you would like to be treated. It is an ancient universal ethical imperative, and it requires no supernatural beliefs. Now, of course, he is making an argument against religion. That isn't really the point, whether or not uh, there should be religion. What I'm concerned about is how religion is used and that clearly people who are not, uh, you know, just imbuing and in being imbued with these very dogmatic beliefs have more open minds. And I would like this to also be true for those of us who have a spiritual belief system. I'm a one of them. Now, it said, uh, he said they comprise people without a religious belief comprise less than one half of 1% of those behind bars and commit fewer crimes. And the countries that have the least amount of religion, Sweden, Denmark, uh, Japan, Belgium, and New Zealand have the lowest, among the lowest violent crime rates in the world. So interesting. I mean, 
Again, I can't tell you that that's true because I have not done that research, but I think that's interesting. I'd like to bring that in. But the, what is most important is about that is what are we lacking? Empathy. Empathy. We may have religion. We may have so-called spirituality. We have all kinds of magical belief system, but we are lacking empathy, which means I understand you. In fact, my last book, Living with Reality, the first platform is Becoming Oneness, and it starts with I am that. Whatever you are, I have those qualities too. It's a free download from my website, bethgreen.org. Go take a look at it. And now I'm going to invite on Irene. Hi, Irene from San Diego, and thank you for sending me that article. Oh, you're welcome. I was just um, connecting uh, rage and its expression with authoritarianism and dogmatism. And I think that there is something about religion. And people who are, a couple of things, people who are raised in a dogmatic religion are being told what to believe and what to do. Yes. There's a hierarchy. And I think that inspires uh, passivism in the people and a rage that... I think you meant passivity instead of pacifism. (laughs) Yeah, passivity. (laughs) And which which, um, causes rage. I was just exploring um, in a counseling session the other day uh, my rage at men, mm. and particularly at priests. And my history is that I was a nun, and as a nun, I had to sit and listen to priests preach about spirituality, which in my superiority, I thought they knew nothing about. <laughs> and I, yeah, I would rage, you know, internally. And um, I think, so whenever I meet a man who tends to talk at you rather yes. than with you, yeah. I, I tap into this rage. But as a, in this counseling session, as I was exploring this, I realized that as that nun sitting demurely in the pew, raging, <laughs> I, I could have gone to the people who hire these people to conduct a retreat and say, what are we doing and why do I have to listen to this? In other words, I was being passive and raging rather than taking a power that I had, and I certainly wouldn't have been shot in the head if I'd done that. Um, And so the connection between authoritarianism and dogmatism create passivity, which creates rage, um, I think has a lot to do with uh, when someone offends my religion, then I can't express this rage and have no guilt about it because it's in the defense of God. Absolutely. I could not agree with you more. I think that you're making such an important point. And we really need to to look at how dogmatic we are. I mean, I could be a dogmatic Democrat or a dogmatic Republican. It's not just religion. I I find personally that fundamentalism is insane. Well, because, I mean, I have to say this. If you look at the Old Testament, for example— you will see 
so many exhortations to violence and so much ugliness and lack of empathy, even the beginnings of it, that you think, well, okay, I get it. These guys lived a long time ago. They were having a tough time. And uh, this is what they thought God was telling them. It's hard for me to believe God said that. Is that the same God who said, love thy neighbor as thyself? Do you, do you remember that? I mean, is how many gods are, how, the, it's God is a multiple personality, obviously. <laughs> and you can find in every religion, uh, well, I'm not, I shouldn't say every religion. I haven't studied Buddhism, for instance. Uh, but in so many religions, justifications for violence against other people because of this or that or the other thing. And why I find fundamentalism insane is that you would think that whoever it was who lived at that time and who wrote this had the capacity to actually hear God that clearly without any confusion. And I'm sure that a lot of Muslims would be very angry with me for saying this because they believe that everything in the Quran is revealed. But I, I, I mean, who am I? I'm not an important person, but from my perspective, that's crazy. Not everything is God, revelation of God. And even if there is a revelation from God, that revelation is going to be filtered through the consciousness of the people of the times. And then what's even worse, it gets filtered through the people who are interpreting what they think Somebody said, this gets even more complicated. And the other thing that, I've, that God said to me, he said, can't I change my mind? <laughs> I mean, I, I mean do, do, I, do, I have, do I have to believe the same thing now that I thought 10,000 years ago? I mean, am I not allowed to evolve? Doesn't consciousness evolve? And so there are so many levels uh, that it doesn't make sense, and not just only, and also speaking of the history, you know, so many of these are texts which somebody decided is going to be the right text. But if we just look at what something says, and we don't say, well, did God say this or didn't God say this, and that becomes the discussion. Instead, we say, does this make sense to us now? Is this going to help us to solve our problems. So, yes, maybe you're not supposed to draw a picture of Muhammad and particularly one making fun of Muhammad. I mean, okay, that's pretty reprehensible. But does that really mean that uh, someone has committed a crime punishable by death? Do we really need to keep these ancient forms of punishment? Don't people evolve? Doesn't society evolve? Don't we have new ways of handling things? But remember, guys, religion predated psychology. Do we want to throw out everything that we've learned? Religion predated science. Do we have to throw everything out that we learned because somebody thought that God said this? Is, that, is there any common sense in that? I don't think so. So coming back to the question of being raised in authoritarian and dogmatic thinking, it, I think so many children who are brought up in them, just like this, uh, this uh, editorialist said, you know, they're really taught to not think, not question. 
it's like, oh my God, it's anathema that I would say to somebody about their religion. Uh, why do you think that God couldn't change her mind? Here, I, I, th- that, that would be a terrible thing to say because somebody has, has taken the word and made it God. Taken the book and made it God. And we are not supposed to question. And so we don't learn how to think. Think, 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 think. I want to believe that we can be deeply spiritual and feel our oneness with all others, including people of other religions. If we go back to the fundamentals like empathy, like oneness, like the need for healing, like the need for compassion, the the need for discipline, uh, the need for accountability on all sides. My God, why can't we do this? And this is what, you know, our Center for New Spirituality teaches. And it's pretty much out of step, but it's, it's, it's in a way a way of combining common sense and spirituality. And I think we need that because we need that divine guidance and those divine energies that our connection to the source can give us. But we need to, to uh, dust off our thinking, get rid of the cobwebs. We have so many problems. We humanity, our planet, we have so many problems. We need all our faculties to come together and try to solve some of them. Amen. So, thank you so much, for Irene, for your call, and thank you for sending me that article. Oh, you're welcome. Okay. Hey, Beth, I'd like to add to what you were saying. I wish you would, because uh, we actually don't have any other callers right now, so take it away, James. Well, I like your talking about the theme of oneness, feeling oneness with one another, because I think where it really goes awry with the various religions is this uh, separation uh, that seeing people who do wrong deserve to be punished, that anybody mm-hmm. who, who acts imperfectly deserves to be punished, and if you're the punisher, then you are an agent of God. Yes. Onward, Christian soldiers. Oh, you know, yeah. Let's, let's go destroy the enemy. Yes, uh, I mean, the Inquisition, I mean, they, they yeah. felt absolutely no problem torturing people or uh, uh, murdering people, and, it, and it's happened also in our own, you know, oh, look at the CIA and waterboarding. Yes. You know, yes. and this incredible torture that didn't even get us anything of value, but was justified. We put on the cloak of patriotism. Patriotism. There is pain and violence in every one of us. There is that unexpressed anger at how we feel we've been done wrong or how we've been oppressed. Many of us have actually been terribly traumatized in our lives. We have nothing to do with it, so we have to find an outlet, and we use our religions and our belief systems to justify perpetrating violence against one another. We have a, another caller. But I'd like to go to commercial break right now so that we don't interrupt, and so we'll go on a little bit early, and we'll come back a little early, and we'll take our next caller, so stick around. There's lots more to say on this topic. Visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel.
bring Beth into your world in person or via the Internet. Learn how by visiting her website, BethGreen.org. At the website, sign up for her newsletter to keep abreast of her latest activities, blogs, videos, and more. Just for signing up, you'll receive a free PDF copy of Living with Reality, her 688-page volume that helps us understand ourselves in relatable terms, as well as offers a proven program to heal and co-create a better world. But there's more. Learn about Beth's four other books, both fiction and nonfiction. Check out her gorgeous music, which is heartfelt and mystical. Become acquainted with Beth and James's programs for healing and training, and discover their community, the Stream Center for the New Spirituality, which welcomes you wherever you are in the world. All this and more can be found at Beth's website, www.bethgreen.org. Again, that's bethgreen.org. The 7th Wave Channel on The Voice America Network. tuned in to Inside Out with Beth Green and co-host James Maynard. To reach us on the show, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. If you'd rather send us an email, the address is beth at bethgreen.org. Now, back to Inside Out. Hi there. Welcome back to Inside Out. Before we go to our caller, uh, James was talking about other forms of violence. I want to now shift my gears a little bit. I was guided by the source that the, with this definition of violence, that violence is the energy of separation. Now, we need a certain amount of separation if we were all glued to each other, like we were all uh, Siamese twins, we wouldn't be able to get much done on the <laughs> planet. So we need a certain degree of what we call a differentiation, which is individuation in the context of oneness. We are one, but we are also individuals. But violence is what we typically mean is when we've gotten out of balance with that energy of separation. We are not doing the I am that. And James was just commenting how we do that with criminals. You, you, you know, somebody is arrested, and now anything can be perpetrated on them in prison by the system because they have done wrong, you know, whatever. Now, I'm not saying that some people don't have to be unfortunately incarcerated until we get a better way of dealing with people's behavior. But does this allow us to torture people or to treat them with total disregard? So now we're going to bring on Christine from San Diego. Hi, Christine. Welcome to Inside Out. Thank you. Hi, Beth and James. Hi. Hi. Uh, hi. So much that I could... um talk about, I'm sure that you could talk about on this topic. Oh, go ahead. You're our, the, the, the only caller we have at the moment, so okay. feel free. Okay. Well, the first thing I wanted to, to mention is that I was listening to NPR One, um, which is like the, pod, you know, the podcast download to you, um, and I was surprised and glad to hear um, a piece that they did, and this was the only in-depth reporting that I'd actually heard. Um, a, um, that um, that was interviewing Muslims in France and uh. in Paris and families and um, you know just trying to you know get their perspective on you know on what had happened and obviously um, they didn't condone the violence either but they were you know they were trying to say there you know there are issues and yes. it's is harmful to just portray one point of view yes um, 
So I thought that was good that 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 there were media that were covering different perspectives. Glad to hear it, Christine. Glad to hear it. Yeah, and you know, in kind of like day to day life. Um, it's not like, you know, I'm a Jewish person living next to a Muslim and, you know, getting in fights and stuff. Yeah. But I noticed, like, I think it was last night, or was it just yesterday, our family went to visit um, another family where our children are friends. Yes. And um, they're vegan and um, Hare Krishna. And we eat meat. And um, we're not, you know, Hare Krishna. And... Um, I just noticed, like, I just feel like it creates um, barriers because, you know, I feel like my husband was going out of his way to help them know that, you know, he's had Hare Krishna friends and worked with them so they don't <laughs> feel, you know, like they have yeah. to feel separate in a way. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we had invited them to dinner first and said, they said, well, let's have you over because I think they felt it would be too difficult for us to prepare a vegan meal. Yeah. And so, um, I, I mean, I, don't, I, I know I want to tell you this for some reason. I don't have the, the plot or the point yet. <laughs> but I just notice it brings up, like, um, otherwise I feel like we kind of related on so many topics, especially yeah. gardening. And ironically, since they're vegan, um, you know, um, getting rid of gophers and squirrels. <laughs> I don't think yeah. they kill them, but, you know. Um, you know, but there was so much that we related about, and we could tell that our two children, ours is a boy, theirs is a girl, both 11-year-olds, which is probably not that typical in middle school to have such a good friendship at that age between Mm. boys and girls. Um, But, um, you know, we want to support that, and at the same time, I notice, I'm like, well, you know... I, you know, I kind of liked these people. I'd like to have them over. I don't have any intention ever of becoming vegan or Hare Krishna. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, does that create, like, some type of awkwardness in in, in the relationship, or is it just, you know, all in my mind? Well, it's not in your, it's not all in your mind. It's all in everyone's mind. Uh huh. Uh, This is, we have yet to figure out that different can be good. On the other hand, there are people who are cultural relativists who will say, well, everything is, you know, it's your culture. You can't say anything about anything because what right do I have to say anything about someone else's culture? So the the question that you're raising is really a very large question, which is how do we deal with differences among us? Do we ignore what we don't approve of? Do we say something? Does that make us racist? Does that make us prejudiced? Mm-hmm. And how do we go beyond that to the, what is you know what really unites us? Um, I many times in my life, I have bumped into extremely religious Christians or Jews uh, who were completely dedicated to their spiritual path and to God, and I felt like I had more in common with them than I did with my friends. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Even though I didn't actually agree with a lot of the things that they thought, but I did feel the sincerity of their passion of really leading a guided life. And I felt very connected to that. So I was looking for the place where I could connect to them. Mm -hmm. And I think that for so many of us, 
the I am that chapter of the platform one of our program, which is becoming oneness, is something that we don't typically practice. That the first thing that you're noticing is how they're different rather than the first thing that you notice is how they're the same. I would bet you that they're all humans that they probably all have hair and teeth, although maybe, depending on their age, they might have. <laughs> no, I mean, we were laughing and relating because, you know, we're, we're all very committed to the way that we eat. Yes. Even though we may have different guidelines. Yes. And both of our children have been um, teased since middle school. Yes. And one of the reasons we said we really liked that our son was hanging out with their daughter is because, you know, he mentioned how we made him like a kale smoothie or something. Uh-huh. And she said, oh, that sounds great. And he was complaining. Uh-huh. And, um, <laughs> you know, and because, you know, we haven't, like, we, you know, we don't send along, like, a lot of processed lunches or let them yeah. buy lunch or eat sugar, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, so you're right. I mean, we did have a lot in common, and they were laughing because they said, you wouldn't believe how many people have asked us, you know, what would you do if you were stranded on a desert island with a cow? <laughs> <laughs> and what did they say? Eat grass. Well, they, they said we would find out what the cow was eating if it's thriving. <laughs> That's right. That's what I said, that you eat grass. That's exactly. very funny. Um, but, they said, that, but, but they said mostly what they say is like, why, why do we have to answer the question? Of what we do, stranded on a desert island with a cow. Right. So, um, exactly. There exactly. are a lot of things that we could relate to, and I think you're right that I know, we notice both the similarities and the differences. Exactly. And also, I would say that um, we, if we felt more comfortable, we would speak more openly. Now, let's say uh, we have a disabled and a non-disabled person. Theoretically non-disabled, okay, and an obviously disabled person. There's that same awkwardness. You know, how do we treat disabled people? Well, are they even in the room? Do you? How many people have just like when you're in a wheelchair? How many people will look at you? And how people? How many people will look the other way as though Mm. there is some kindness in them not noticing (laughs) that you're in a wheelchair? Uh, There really isn't any. I mean, having been, you know, in that situation myself. I, it's kind of ludicrous. And then I go find myself in a situation of trying to make eye contact to prove that I have nothing to prove. Or, you know, <laughs> all, the, all that silly self-consciousness, um, you know, and, and of course what, what links, if we could just talk about it openly, we could laugh about it. It sounds like you did a great job with these people because if we can start laughing at how silly this whole thing is, yeah. that, that we really are fundamentally the same, that we are fundamentally the same. Something that really hurts me as having grown up in a Jewish family, although I don't practice that religion anymore, uh, having my own brand of spirituality, it hurts me deeply to see the rift between Jews and Muslims. Mm. And... um, you know, I love the music. I love Arabic music. I love Iranian music. You know, I, I love the nose. I, I feel at home uh, in some ways in those cultures. And at the same time, I'm a Westerner. And um, I hate the fact that Israel has been, been a, a thorn that has split. There's so much lack of compassion there. The lack of compassion of the Jews for their Arab neighbors. The lack of compassion for the, of the Arabs 
for the Jewish people who had no place to go. You know, did we sit to get down together and talk about authoritarian? You know, this the English made the decision to give the the land to the Jews, but there wasn't any real community and communication and agreement. And I am certain that every Arab nation or political organization had its own axe to grind that could and and still does could, to use the Palestinian Jewish rift for their own purposes. I mean, we know that. Mm-hmm. So it's the manipulation, uh, the take, the exploitation of the real pain that our people are having, and the inflammation of it, rather than the intention to find the oneness, to find that place where we can say, I understand. And why don't we ask God, whether it's for the highest good of all, including us, for you to be on this land? Or how could we organize our society so that we can support one another? These would be difficult questions to answer if we asked. But we don't even ask. It's not in our paradigm to ask that. It's like, Mm. I need this. I must have this. You're in my way, and I, I have a right to this. I have a right to do this to you. Actually, the truth is none of us has a claim on any land, although I would argue with somebody who tried to break into my house. I'd say, wait a minute, this is my house. Get out, right? But I, at the same time, I can see underneath all of that, what right do I have that I plopped down or I took out a loan? I can't say I put down money. You know, I have indentured myself for the next 30 years, which I will not live that long in order to keep you out of this beautiful house so that I can live in it. But we didn't sit down together and say, well, would it be for the highest good of all, including me, for Beth to live in this house and not the guy next door who thinks that he should be living here. I mean, these things are not easy, Mm -hmm. but we don't even try. We don't, as collectively, we don't think about it. And then the other thing that I want to say is that if you see people doing damaging things and, and, and they justify it by their culture... It's not acceptable to me as a human being. If I see people beating their children or abusing their children or abusing gays in the name of religion or brainwashing people and not letting them think, I will say something. I will say something. Now, you can say I'm a racist. And frankly, I don't care if you say that I'm a racist. (laughs) No, I could get that. They were sharing about the daughter that they were talking about and how they started out homeschooling her. But they realized um, just kind of her nature. She's very social. Mm. And they stopped. They put her in well, school. And I think that's kind of the thing that you're saying. Like, we may have a, a viewpoint about what's the right thing to do. Yes. But it may not be right in every situation. That's right. We, and, for instance, if you come from a country that boils uh, the people who, you know, speak badly of the government... Uh, I think that we might say something about that. We might say, now, why do you boil people? Where did that come from in your history? Why, you know, what is driving that? We try to help people to heal instead of just separating from them, anathemizing them, and then justifying unleashing our rage on them. Mm. I think I heard you say one time, this really helps me. It pops into my mind quite a lot, actually, that all of our gods are one. Yes. 
our gods don't have to be the same because they are one. Yeah. And it's the same for us. Thank you, Christine, for your call. Thanks. So, um, James, would you like to talk to us about next week's show and then I'll come back and try to wrap this up. I would just like to add one more point before I I do that, if I may. Yes. And that is, we can have the subtlest little judgment about somebody else. And that gives us a rationalization for separating from them. Yes. And and, and so it's it's an ongoing process. Every single day, we go into these different states of judgment or anger or upset or fear or worry or concern. And so those, those all can be forms of emotional violence toward another, particularly anger. Uh, and so it behooves all of us to kind of watch that, notice it, and reconnect with what do we have in common, like you've been talking about. Mm-hmm. Where's the oneness that we have? Where's the, where's the oh, I see these negative qualities and, and, and behaviors, but, oh, I, I've seen that in me too. Yes. And therefore, the empathy. Okay. I think so. we're afraid that if we uh, allow, we have any kind of allowance and understanding of other people that we have to take abuse, but we don't. Nope. We don't have to separate to say no to abuse. And that's probably another radio show. But now you better take it away because <laughs> we're running okay. out of time. Our next, okay, next week, our topic is, are you in roles or relationships and why it matters? What's a role and what's a relationship? And how can you tell the difference? And who cares anyway? Many of us are in roles in our marriages, in our parenting, in every area of our lives. Are we playing out an idea of how we should behave or are we genuinely relating? How does that impact all involved? When is it right to be in a role with kids, mates, and jobs? And when is it toxic? So tune into this episode of Inside Out to explore these questions and face these issues. And Beth Green is going to intervene and help us uh, discuss these matters and deal with them. And now a final word from Beth. Thank you. Thank you, James. I want to thank you. I want to thank our callers today, our listeners for actually listening. And I want to ask you, please, pass these shows on if you think there's any value to this if you think people need to hear this point of view even if they don't 100% agree or you don't 100% agree share it Facebook whatever methods you have share it spread the word let's start talking about this stuff openly I you know I did this program uh, video on delusional thinking and I am amazed at how many people are in agreement and who don't know each other. I think this is the same kind of thing. Many of us actually have these feelings, but we're afraid to talk about it. Let's stick together. Let's talk about it. Share the show and come back next week. And remember, you don't have to take abuse to have compassion. That's another topic. See you then. (laughs) Thank you for making us a part of your week. Listen for the next edition of Inside Out with Beth Green and James Maynard next Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Have a great week.